0: Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week is Devyani. Oh God, I'm going to have to try and pronounce his <laughs> it. <laughs> 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 Vashampayan.
1: <laughs> Vashampayan,
0: something like that. So Devyani, um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You're a former HR director, you're a speaker, you're an investor, and you run the HR Tech Partnership. Um, Which perhaps you can talk a little bit more about as we get into this conversation. Um, And your big interest is in AR in the HR spec and uh, HR space. And when you sent sent me an email about the show, you 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 had this really interesting question: is how is AI helping organizations become more human friendly? Um, Mm -hmm. And often we think about AI somehow as a as a threat. Um, So this idea that actually it can help us organizations become more human friendly was really. Interesting to me. So, Devyani, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, should we start with, um, should we well, we, should we start with the, this question actually? How AI um, will help us to create organisations that are more human friendly?
1: Right. So that that is quite a broad question, um, but let me attempt to answer it in a more concise manner. Uh, so, firstly, I do not blame anyone if the words. AI and machine learning, digital technology kind of makes you feel uh, a mixture of things. I think often it is uncertainty, uh, but of uh, fear, but also a lot of um, apprehension about what's going to happen. Um, and I think one reason is because all you hear is often the negative things about AI in the press. I mean, not a day goes by nowadays without Oh, jobs are being slashed, humans are being replaced by robots, but also I think, uh, the, for example, the Amazon issue about how AI, in fact, increased bias in the recruitment process. So, so there is, on one hand, there is a fair amount of negative views uh, that you regularly hear about AI and its impact on the workforce. Um, and secondly, I think it's human nature. We all fear the unknown and a lot of AI machine learning is about the unknown. So, uh, you know, if someone is like me or average professional, I mean, we all use technology, but I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of technology. Uh, And yet I think the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today, which is really uh, two things, as you said, one is uh, an investment fund that invests in AI based HR tech startups, But we also run a human capital digital innovation hub, which is a six-month program to help corporates get more familiar with the impact of AI in the workplace. And the reason I think I'm doing that is there is absolutely no doubt that AI and machine learning is not just regular technology. I mean, it's been almost 30 years. We started with the internet, and then we've seen uh, mobile uh, has had a big impact, social media now. So... Uh, and then, of course, you have cloud-based, SaaS-based. So technology is not new. But the difference um, that AI and machine learning is now bringing is there is a far more intelligent application. And, and I can explain that a little bit more. But in very simple terms, it's not just about automating what you have, but the machine then has the ability to learn from what's happened and then almost ha- begins to have its own mind, which is where I think people then start wondering, you know, is it going to replace me, and what's going to happen to me tomorrow if machines start doing what I'm doing?
0: Right, exactly. And so, so, so this seems to be a little contentious. What you're saying that actually these can make the organisations more human friendly. So, what are some examples of how these are actually
1: right.
0: helping, yeah, not a threat, but actually helping us become more human friendly? Or
1: so know, I guess right? if, if I kind of you know almost put a little bit of a structural overview as to how is AI impacting the workplace. Um, based on what I do, and, and let me tell you, I come across hundreds of really innovative startups, but I also am very much in touch with corporates and, and workplaces because that's, that's where the usage of these startups is. Um, I, I am seeing really AI being used through broadly five different ways. Okay. Uh, the, the most kind of, as I said, visible way is, uh, replacing, it's called substitution, which is really, replacing robots, uh, humans with robots, or whether it is robotic process automation. But the first and the most stark way is when humans get completely replaced. Now that started, it's still early days, but we already have Ocado, which is a completely automated warehouse, not a single human being in the whole warehouse. And increasingly, um, whether it's back office, whether it's routine tasks, you know, that's the space that substitution and AI will mean that a lot of these mundane, repetitive tasks will get replaced. Um, I guess you could say that's both good and bad. Um, You know, on one hand, a lot of these jobs are are jobs that people don't want to do. They're often tiring, long hours, uh, physically uh, fatiguing. And those definitely, I think, if you have machines replacing those, it gives, I think, all of us a chance to do something a little different. The second uh, way in which AI is impacting uh, work is really what I call as augmentation. Now, a good example is a call center. Uh, Today, no element of customer service is without a bot popping up and firstly asking if you need any information, any help, and then humans come into the picture when it's a little more skilled interface where either there's a complexity or there's an issue and where empathy and understanding is required, and and so again, that's a great example of yes, I think AI and machine learning is replacing some parts of your job, but actually, it's freeing up humans and and people to do something that's more interesting, more meaningful, and allows them to apply their skills and knowledge in a very different way.
0: Right. So, so I guess you could say uh, that not so friendly in the short term, but friendly in the long term. Um, Short term for those people losing their jobs, potentially, but in the longer term.
1: Yeah, I guess the, the three other ways in which you see uh, AI and machine learning impacting the workplace is firstly, the third aspect is what I call is disintermediation. And what it simply means is let's take a delivery, um, or, uh, you know, okay, let's take a delivery, which is I think everyone is very familiar with food service. What it's done is it's created a platform where it's taken away the middleman and it's put the customer directly in touch with your end provider. And I think similarly in the workplace and particularly in terms of some HR areas, such as recruitment or training and development, you see more of AI-based platforms doing that. And again, I think that can only be good for you as an end consumer because you are not relying on being funneled through someone else. You have far more access to the end product. The fourth big area that AI and machine learning is making an impact is collaboration. Now, I think today everyone is familiar with Slack or with Yammer or some kind of a tool. And again, this is not new. In the past, you've had audio conferencing, video conferencing. I mean, we have Zoom calls like this. But I think these collaboration tools are of a different level. It allows hundreds of people to connect, but it's also then able to provide some kind of uh, almost intelligence and insights through the tools that are being used. Um, and the fifth uh, very common area that I'm seeing the impact of AI uh, and machine learning on the workplace is what I call is pure uh, operational efficiency. So uh, whether, and, and and I'm seeing this in every part of the employee life cycle. So if you take recruitment, for example, whether it's candidate attraction, whether it is CV screening, whether it is making sure that uh, uh, there is no bias, and, and candidates are genuinely being matched for skills. In all those areas, machine learning is providing very different level, whether it's insights with its speed, and that in turn, I think, has the ability to make a recruiter's job far more uh, interesting and meaningful, rather than spending your time sorting through CVs or going through a lot of admin work. I mean, and the same is true, and I can give you some examples in any part of the employee lifecycle.
0: Right okay um and so and where do you stand then cuz what you've described there i suppose is, is making an impact in, on many different fa- facets but for the just starting with the the replacement point or substitution point that you, yeah. you mentioned um where do you stand on the on the view that are we, is, is ultimately most of the workforce going to be made redundant and we're going to need universal basic in, income and we're, we're basically going to become a sort of population of retirees or right. Or do you think that, no, humans will find more and more ways to add value to the world, you know, on top of this sort of new platform, if you like?
1: So uh, let's let's look at some uh, statistics, okay? And and these are estimates, but these are estimates by organizations that have credibility. So the World Economic Forum has estimated that by 2030, um, sorry, by 2025, which is really seven years away, uh, 52% of human jobs could get automated. Okay. Now uh, that, that is quite a significant, uh, number. And so if you look at it, roughly one in two jobs could disappear. Uh, but on the other hand, it's estimated that during the same period, there will be 500,000 new jobs created across the EU. Now the issue, however, is the jobs that disappear and the jobs that get created will need a very different skill set. So um, I think it's important to understand that, yes, on one hand, a lot of things that are happening now will, will probably get replaced by machines. But equally, there will be a whole lot of new skills. And PA Consulting, in fact, has done a research that shows that in 10 years' time, 65% of the jobs that will exist, people don't even know what they are. Like. They don't even, you know, they have no concept of what those jobs are going to be like. So clearly, what it means is that the pace of change is very is going to be very rapid. Um, Technology is going to play a key role. Uh, But and while there's an downside, there's a great upside and an opportunity for those who are able to comprehend what's going to happen and who are willing to put in some effort and upskill themselves uh, in terms of where things are going.
0: Right and uh, yeah i suppose that that's going to be the the challenge isn't it is and pe- we hear a lot of, at the moment about this idea of having a, a growth mindset and a learning mindset and and willingness to play with new technologies as they emerge and it, it seems to me like this is going to be a major differentiator between those who thrive in this environment and those who don't is is this sort of openness to play yeah and
1: and 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 you've touched a very important point you know i think so we uh, did a survey of 15,000 global HR professionals last year. Um, and this was really to understand what's the current usage of AI and machine learning, you know, what are their plans? Um, and KPMG has also done a similar survey recently. So on, uh, the plus side, I think, um, 47% of organized and HR functions are planning to invest in AI and robotics and more than 30% are already using some kind of of an AI-based solution today. But I think the level of confidence is less than 30% feel that they really are confident about uh, what the landscape is, what's going to happen. And then interestingly, one of the questions that we had asked, I think was a very powerful one because it said, it asked them, do you really think AI and machine learning can help you in your job as an HR professional? and about 55% of this of them were actually negative about it uh, and what to me what that reflects is is really the again a human reaction to gosh it's all very well that technology is coming but actually you know an hr professionals particularly tend to feel that that you that you can't replace humans you know you can't replace a human with a machine in terms of what they're doing Um, and so there is also an element of fear of what if my job goes away. And so I think the mindset, as you highlighted, is going to be really important. So the ones who are able to make this transition more successfully and more importantly, I think, make use of the opportunities are the ones who are far more open, uh, who are far more accepting of this change, but also, I think, who who actively take the effort to start understanding, experimenting, um, and seeing how they can leverage this more successfully
0: right it reminds me of a post i saw recently somebody was saying, you know we've gone beyond the knowledge or the information age we're actually in the transformation age and that what what our job now is to is to navigate this kind of continual transformation of our landscape and i thought that was an interesting uh way of looking. absolutely
1: and i i think actually it's a great opportunity for uh particularly for hr professionals and business leaders because you know, the workplace is also fundamentally changing because of two other trends. Um, and again, uh, if I take some stats, uh, today, or there used to be a time of five or 10 years ago when almost 90% of the workforce was full-time employees. Today, I think we are far more comfortable with interims, contractors, or people we bring in for short-term use. But even then, typically in most organizations, at least 70% of the organization is still made up of full-time employees. Now, over the next few years, that number is expected to go down to 30%. That is quite a big change. Over the the next
0: few years, right? uh, uh, As in, what, less than five? Over the
1: next five, seven years, the expectation is it will go down to 30%. Wow.
0: Because
1: uh, full-time jobs will either get replaced by machines or the the number of gig workers is, is going to increase. And the number of gig workers is going to go up Because a a lot of the skills that organisations need won't be available in house, and digital skills will be a big part of that. And then also these platforms that I spoke of are making it far more easier for people who have skills who want flexible work to get connected to organisations. And then of course the third is the change in mindset. And as we know, that's uh, you know a lot of younger people today don't want the don't want to work full time. Again, I think research has shown that even if people work, typically on an average, they'll be working for 15 to 20 organizations, which means every two to three years, they'll be changing jobs. So I think the amount of, of flexibility that's going to be needed, both organizations will need that from a skills perspective, but individuals also want it, means that the gig worker is going to, um, you know, become far more dominant at the workplace. Uh, and I think what a gig worker needs is very different from a full-time employee. So again, organizations, will have to completely rethink about how do they attract these people? How do they, you know, I mean, if they're there for a short while, do you really want, you know, you still need to invest in the training and development. Career development is really not going to be such a big priority, but organizations still need to prepare for the kind of skills and capability they need. So I think that landscape will look different from a future of work perspective. And then, I the other uh, important aspect is the uh, importance of employee experience. Yeah. So, you know, let, you know, you and I, I think we are consumers today, and whether we are booking a travel uh, holiday uh, or we just watching Netflix, I think we're used to now using uh, having some anything on demand anytime you want. Uh, we also expect personalization and again, Netflix is a great example. The moment it figures out what you are watching, it will start suggesting. Uh, and, and, and I think we all get used to that. We, we expecting to be treated as individuals. Um, and yet I think when an employee walks inside an organization right now, it's a very different scenario because, you know, systems are geared towards still treating, it's a very top down approach. Uh, there is very little uh, freedom of flexibility for the employee to, to kind of give their choices. Uh, and also in terms of getting connected, it's still very limited. And yet I think AI and machine learning can make a huge difference in terms of this employee experience. So if you are able to deploy uh, machine learning based solutions, uh, I think you can achieve a lot of the democratization, personalization, uh, anytime, anywhere, uh, kind of experience that employees are looking for. So organizations that can adapt will definitely have an edge over attraction and retention.
0: Right. Yeah. And that, that really resonates. Actually, I remember early in my corporate career, I was a computer programmer, but I really wanted to study finance. And I, and I remember sort of begging my, my boss at the time, you know, can I kind of do this accounting course? And it was going to cost the c- company kind of peanuts, right? In, in the scheme of things to allow me to do this stuff on my weekends and evenings. Mm -hmm. and i really had to fight and and eventually you know it took me about a year before they kind of allowed me to go and do this uh this accounting course and yeah i remember the time this is crazy like but because i'm going to become an even more valuable asset right i'm going to be a programmer who gets accounting and and so so that's it yeah that really resonates actually and i can i can see yeah and i hear about that in the organizations i work with there's a kind of frustration that yeah people can't always develop in the ways that they want to develop right Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense, the the expectation of a personalized experience. Yeah. Yeah. um, And actually, the idea of how you develop and attract and develop freelancers to your organization is an interesting one, right? Because it seems right now that it's very much a sort of a buyer's market for freelancers and contractors, right? And so the idea that that will pivot at some point. And these organizations will have to start attracting freelancers and, and thinking about how they differentiate themselves to freelancers is, is, is very interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so you, so you're doing the, um, the, the, you've got the investment vehicle as well as the incubator. Um, what are you, so, so maybe let's start with the investment side. What yep. are some of the interesting startups, maybe the category of startups or particular examples that you are seeing making a big impact today?
1: So I think, as I said, I think I'm really seeing a lot of uh, interesting startups in almost all aspects of the employee life cycle. Clearly, recruitment is a very popular one because uh, that's probably one of the uh, biggest areas of spend still for organizations. But also the pressure in, in a competitive market means that the recruitment team has to get far more technology, savvy. But also innovative, and 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 you, and we've seen that. So, but in recruitment, I think what I'm seeing is, you know, how do you apply neurosciences to remove bias? Uh, how, you know, one of our investments, uh, Recruitment Smart, is capable of uh, screening up to a billion CVs per day. Now, you would say, why would someone need to do that? But there are, I mean, large, uh, you know, so their clients are really large technology organizations but i think the the difference is it's not just i think the level of sophistication in which the screening is done is very different as compared to the word passing that we have seen in the past uh, so recruitment is very busy learning and development is another great area um, you know i think you spoke about the need for organizations uh, to give empower employees to really learn and do it in a cost effective way uh, and so there's a great solution i've seen called how now And what they do is they can, at a very low cost, they can enable access to training and information, both anything sitting in an organization. So typically, I think you have a learning management system, but it's a a big dump. Trying to access anything from there can be difficult. And often good training is sitting as, as PowerPoints, it's sitting in folders, it's sitting somewhere else able to access anything but it's also able to access external and as you know today there's a lot of external training available but the issue is how do you do that how do you know what is quality how do you access something with the employee not having to spend a lot of time and how can it then fine-tune based on what the employee starts looking at and and, and using it can start fine-tuning it suggest and several different things but it also gives feedback to the organization to say what are your employees looking for what are they mm-hmm. spending time on, and that can be very useful to the organization to fine tune the learning strategy. Yeah. But uh, just to give you another interesting example, I think AI and machine learning is also being applied in, in in areas you normally have not thought of. So our latest investment is is in something called TrackActive. Now TrackActive is a solution for musculoskeletal pain, that's neck and back pain. And today, one in two UK employees suffers from neck and back pain. But TrackActive is a chatbot-assisted AI-based platform. And what it does very effectively is, A, on a proactive basis, it can help an employee first do some self-diagnosis, but then suggest exercises. Or even if they've had a problem, they've visited the physiotherapist, and they have a set of exercises to do, you can download that. And, and it can then enable you to track your progress can nudge you when you're not doing things. It can reward you when you're doing it well. Mm-hmm. And so I think the whole behavior engagement is very different.
0: Uh, I'm just smiling. As my, I wonder if my physiotherapist is listening to this. I could do a few <laughs> nudges on exercise I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. No, I, yeah. But that's interesting that the chatbot is intelligent enough to make sensible suggestions about what to do with a back ailment. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that sounds pretty sophisticated that it's, and it, presumably it's working well enough that it's become a viable
1: Yeah, but, uh, but product. that's all from an investment perspective, but the uh, Innovation Hub is the one that I'm really finding, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest in it right now because I think a lot of HR teams, a lot of corporates, a lot of human capital consulting organizations are beginning to realize that they need to start adopting these solutions. Um, but there is a real issue. It's like, how, where do you find the solutions? You know, how do you know what is quality? Uh, how you you know, how do you minimize the risk of bringing something in-house? Because if things go badly, you don't want your employees and line managers getting irritated and upset with you. So I think what we do is this is a six-month program, and it's it's really to without any commitment. You know, so there is no pressure on a sale. But this is a good way for them to experiment and adopt a solution do a pilot, see how it works, but have the whole thing facilitated by us so that there is regular learning. And at, at the end of it, then you know, through a more experiential approach, I think figure out that actually AI yeah, and machine learning could be great because it really is not technology as usual. Um, and often what, I mean, I spoke about the digital mindset earlier. What I often find is maybe there's a, there's a leader, there's either a business leader or an HR leader, who gets this, but maybe the rest of the team is still very heads down, you know, they kind of, oh, this has nothing to do with us. And you'll be surprised how often I, I think one of the commonest uh, excuses I get for not doing this is, oh, we have no time. I mean, And it's true. I mean, I understand the pressures on everyone today are very high, but I think usually a leader that often uses the hub so that the team is brought into the process a little more gently without pushing something down their throat. And I think because the focus on learning is very high, it helps to upskill them around what is AI, what is machine learning, what's the impact. But also more importantly, how can we start thinking about using some of these solutions in the workplace?
0: Right. And what's in terms of you say you've obviously run this with several clients, like what have been the big moments for you in the course of doing that, where something's really taken off that's surprised you or that's you know, been really gratifying to see with an organization?
1: So I really have uh, three kinds of clients right now. I have either in-house HR teams, um, and very often, I think for them, this is the start of their digital journey. Again, they are they are curious, they are uh, often not sure, um, and this is a good way for them to test it out, uh, but do it as a team. Uh, but also we get, during the program, we bring two or three organizations together so there's a chance for them also not just to see their own solution but to see what else others are using but also have some sharing on how the journey has been so i think the uh, the the i think the big aha moment often is gosh we didn't realize A was so simple uh, but often costs because i think you know in organizations we are used to systems implementation which is several hundred or so a couple of million thousand pounds um Long planning, long rule out, whereas this, I think the aha moment is also, this is very easy. It integrates into anything you have. Uh, It is very, very cheap compared to a traditional systems cost. Uh, And actually, the kind of intelligence it can give you is is astounding. because People realize that they they really don't know what's happening, especially HR really doesn't know. It's all historical, uh, whereas this is real-time information that can help them become far smarter. The second type of client I have is really uh, human capital consultancies, and they are doing it because they realize that their clients are expecting them to be far more innovative, um, but also some of these trends. And so I we spoke about the gig economy and a recent solution that I've that uh, a big uh, it's a worldwide uh, human capital consultancy firm is using from us is around freelancers. It's insurance for freelancers, but it, but they also create a community. And we spoke earlier about freelancers are no longer going to be, uh, you know, organizations have to adopt a less mercenary approach and, and, and treat them really as part of the workforce. And I think the solution helps them do that because it's not just bringing them in, but from a benefits perspective, it's helping them with the insurance. From a community perspective, it's creating a sense of engagement and belonging. And so I think that's the solution they've used. And then the third kind of clients I have is often, often the corporate innovation teams. Uh, and they are looking, they are truly looking at innovation, They're looking at 10 years hence. And so, for example, I've had a request from someone to say, oh, in 10 years time, teams will look very different. So how will they work? Uh, you know, how could they be effective? And there's a solution that we've sourced for them that is far of futuristic rather than, oh, this is an issue we have right now.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And I I think this touches into a broader, broader trend. And in fact, I was having a conversation with somebody recently about this idea of sort of facilitation as leadership. And uh, so it seems to me that part of what you're doing here is you're providing a a sort of a facilitation container for people to go and explore and try out and experiment with new technologies. And it seems that that's going to be a really important part of, of leadership going forward, this ability to, Create spaces where people can can play and experiment, and that's been sort of something on perhaps on on the fringe within organisations. And it's always been important, but now perhaps it's becoming much more central to what organisations need to be doing continually.
1: Absolutely, I think you know you you've hit the nail on the spot. I think um, leaders no longer have the certainty of knowing what's going to happen, so. You know, in the past, you used to have, oh, they have had experience in X, then they got brought in because they've done it before or they knew things. Today, with the pace of change and particularly the impact of digital, whether it is your business model. Um, and let's again look at a simple example. You had the Black Cat taxi company and overnight Uber came in. And the two are very different. Uber, the main proposition is the technology. So it's a, Taxi service, but the asset, and so from a management perspective, what leaders in there have to manage is very different because they are really leaders of a technology company whereas it's a black cap company. Still, it's about, oh, your vehicles, oh, your drivers, oh, employee relations. It's So the two, the focus areas for the two leadership teams can be very different. Uh, and I think so. That's that's the speed of change. So business models are changing, but also digital is impacting every aspect of the business. It started with customers because you know clearly that is an important interface. But today, whether it's supply chain, whether it's your core operations, whether it's the workforce, I think every aspect is changing. And so, no, this. So if any leader claims they have all the answers, I think they would be. Uh, I I would highly suspect that. And so the focus is definitely shifting to we may not have the answers, uh, and it's okay to experiment, and that's a better way of figuring out what actually could happen or what could be useful to us, rather than oh this is definitely it. We're going to sink a lot of money into it, and that's the way forward.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's that seems to me on the on the human side one of the big shifts that this. Is sort of forcing actually this, this mm-hmm. technology yeah, yeah. Uh, technology evolution yeah okay um well thank you Devyani. this has been a great tour through the current sort of state of state of of the tech and the art within within the space um what's um what what's next in terms of projects for you is there anything on the horizon that you're de- developing as we speak
1: no, I think both the fund as well as the innovation hub, for me, is a very, both are very exciting spaces because it's really, it it enables me to be really right at the forefront of, of digital innovation in the workplace. I mean, uh, one is about investing, but for every one investment, you know, I literally have to meet at least a couple of hundred because it's not it's not an easy decision. It's not just about the right Solution. It's about the right team. It's about the financial viability. It's about competitive space. I think there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but the innovation hub keeps me also very anchored to my core area of expertise, which is large corporate workplaces. Um, and it is fascinating to help each HR teams kind of, you know, kind of take them along this journey and help them really become far more strategic business partners. So yeah,
0: right. And if there are any, uh, anybody out there who's looking for investment, they've got a startup, what, it, what is it they should be thinking about before they approach you?
1: Well, I think the criteria we use, and, and, and firstly, I think just uh, in my fund, the investors are all uh, senior HR directors. So it's very much the proposition is the investors are domain experts. Uh, we understand the space. The solutions are ready for large corporates and so being very specific about what we know and what we don't know. Um, and so I think uh, the first thing I would ask any startup is be very clear. What's the real problem? here? Is there a real problem you're addressing? It's very easy. This is not about fancy technology. This is not about great ideas. I think the first important thing is, is there a real problem? And, and, and part of that then means you have to understand your client to group very well which is why we all, we prefer startup founders who've had some experience of corporate life because, you know, it's 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 very easy to imagine things. But as you know, organizations are big piece. Um, often, I think it's practical things like, is there going to be a budget holder? Because let's say productivity, for example, great concept. But the reality in most organizations, there's no one budget holder for productivity. So from a practical perspective, it's going to be very difficult for the startup uh, to get traction on sales or adoption, I mean, I'm seeing really interesting stuff. Virtual reality is now uh, becoming quite big. Uh, blockchain is going to become important. It's, you're already seeing it in terms of referencing, but also payments. You know, pay and benefits. Those are the two areas. Employee referencing and pay and benefits are the two areas i'm seeing blockchain being used uh, virtual reality as i said a uh, lot of application in terms of training but particularly by uh, bias training performance training because it really enables captures and enables you to uh, bring out a lot of your unconscious bias um, and then uh, the third technology that that i see that's uh, I think uh, going to become important uh, is, and I know it's going to be controversial. Is facial recognition? So China is a great example where facial recognition is being used extensively. There's a lot of ethical implications, which, which rightfully I think need to be thought through. But from a technology perspective, that's a third thing which would, which could completely leapfrog a lot of the way a lot of things are being done. So, um, but the reality is, uh, most organizations are still a long way off from adopting that. So I think adoption is is a very important consideration from an investing perspective. Yep. And yet from an innovation hub perspective, I think it gives me the freedom and flexibility to look at these solutions for organisations because that's what the hub is meant for, to, to use this as an opportunity to, to engage, experiment, things that you would normally be hesitant about bringing in-house.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I can see the uh the, the double threat there that <laughs> 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 those those twin tracks must really help um great all right well thank you so much so for people who want to discover more is that hrtechpartnership.com yeah uh anywhere else you would be sending people
1: no i think the website's there otherwise always feel uh, free to write to me it's deviani at hrtechpartnership.com
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation. Um, thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks bye. For sure.
0: Bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.